The Sacramento Kings end their six-game road trip with a win against the Pistons for their second in a row. They win 122-113 and will be heading home with a 3-3 road trip and now play six at home in a row with also a bunch of other games at home. So very nice to come away from this tough road trip that didn't start exactly how we wanted it to. Uh, come away with it with a 500 record, which is a pretty good accomplishment from this team. This was the easiest uh, game in theory uh, of this road trip, and the Kings definitely cruised in the first half. You know, not not the most energy um, defensively, and and you know, just kind of cruising offensively. And they kept it close, faded at the end of the second quarter, and, and the Pistons took that eight-point lead, and then it was that big run in the third quarter, at the start of the third quarter, that in just like five minutes turned it from an eight-point deficit to a 12-point lead. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily like it, but it's kind of the sign of a good team. That's what most good teams do. Uh, you know, it's not a good habit. But it's the reality of the situation is good teams, a lot of times against worse teams, will cruise in the first half and then turn it up in the third quarter. I mean, a great example of that is the you know great Warriors teams from the past few years. They were, they've always been the best third quarter team. And also Kings teams in the past have been one of the worst uh, third quarter teams. Third, The third quarter is a big differentiator for mostly like the start of the third quarter between a good team and a bad team obviously the end of the fourth quarter as well and the fourth quarter as a whole but the third quarter is definitely where uh the game can be decided the kings struggled on the offensive or, or defensive glass the pistons were killing us on the offensive glass they had 14 offensive rebounds in this game and out rebounded us by 13 uh as a whole. And a big part of that was Jalen Duran, who had six offensive rebounds, 14 rebounds total. And he is just an athletic, strong guy. He's only 19 years old, but he's going to be very good, very good in this league. Um, and, and he gave us a lot of problems on the offensive glass. And he also gave us problems with his verticality Lots of lobs being thrown to him uh, from pick and rolls and in other situations. So he was definitely a problem. But Sabonis was taking advantage of him on the other end. You know, you could see the inexperience defensively from him. And Sabonis did a good job taking advantage of that and scored 23 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. He had 2 steals, a block. Like he just, he fills up the stat sheet every single night. And he had 41 minutes in this game. And those 41 minutes, you know, if he's playing that many minutes, it doesn't leave a lot of minutes for other centers on this roster. And it was interesting, again, uh, Chimezi Metu played four minutes. And then it was Rashawn Holmes after, for the next um, stint, backup center stint. Because Metu didn't play well in those first, uh, that first stint. He was 0 for 3 from the field. Just wasn't playing well, had a turnover as well. And Rashawn Holmes came in, played three minutes, you know, not a lot, but similar to what he did in the last game. 
you know, in, in the last game, I thought it was more because Mike Brown got ejected, and maybe it was, but, you know, he, he got another chance here. And three minutes, you know, isn't much of a chance. Can't get really much, uh, too much flow in three minutes, but, you know, he did make one of his patented shots, you know, around the basket, and that's good to see because that's something he wasn't doing earlier in the season. And, you know, he, he might be able to get uh, back in the rotation. I don't know. But it's just, you know, I mean, Sabonis isn't going to play 41 minutes every night. So at some point, you know, uh, we're probably going to have to decide who the backup center is because it seems like, you know, Rashawn Holmes is getting another shot. And he did all that he could, I thought, in the time that, you know, he was given. Kevin Herter was back in this game, which was nice, and he shot it well, three for six from three. He looked uh, he looked good in this game. He also had four assists, one nice play where he uh, ran a pick and roll with Sabonis, had really good patience, waiting for a gap to open up between the two defenders, then dished it inside to Sabonis for the dunk. And then, you know, in that third quarter, the Kings just came out with more energy and were firing on all cylinders offensively, but you don't go on a 14-2 run just from your offense because the only other team's only scoring two points, you know, in that type of run. So really doing a lot better job defensively and being more active. And I thought the Kings did a good job of guarding Bogdanovich. He did get to the free throw line nine times, but only six for 16 from the field. Harrison Barnes did a good job of guarding him. He won the defensive player of the game again from the coaching staff, which is funny. Two straight for him there. I guess we'll have to keep tally for you know who's winning them and, and see uh, add them all up at the end of the season. See who has the most defensive player player of the games. I wonder if there'll be any game where they just decide not to give to anyone. They're like, you you all sucked defensively. <laughs> But uh, I, I think that'd be funny. It's like a, a good way to send a message to your players. No one's getting this defensive player of the game chain. We also did a good job of limiting Jaden Ivey, who uh, killed us in the previous uh, matchup between these two teams. He was firing from three. But in this game, he started off with a quick five points uh, and, and an assist, but uh, ended the game with five points, which was good to see. And he got in foul trouble. I think he, yeah, he did uh, end up fouling out. Killian Hayes was also in foul trouble. And we just did a, a good job overall on the guards on the Pistons. Another guy that played very well was Keegan Murray. What I really liked about Keegan's game was the way when he was coming off of screens and getting the ball, coming off of Sabonis screens, he was taking his time to get his feet set. And the Pistons were giving him that time, but he did a good job of setting up kind of, he would notice that the defensive player was going under the screen and he would kind of stop short so that uh, if the player, the player had to go all the way around the screen, you know, and uh, would just set his feet and fire. And he was four for six from three in this game and looked really good. Uh, ended with 20 points. One of uh, three Kings players with 20 points. Harrison Barnes also had 19. And speaking of the other player with 20-plus points, De'Aaron Fox, 
looked solid, although it's still taking too many threes for my liking. Off the dribble threes, he was 0 for 5 from 3 in this game. But uh, everything else was good for him. He was getting to his mid-range spots. He was also attacking the rim whenever he really wanted to in this game and was playmaking really well again. And his playmaking has gone up because he's attacking more and has looked more like himself, not, you know, before when he was playing in pain, you could tell he didn't want to attack because he would just be wincing the whole time and it was obviously hurting him. But now that he's attacking again, he's able to set up his teammates. And so nine assists in this game, 10 assists in the previous game. Uh, and that's great for the total uh, team assist numbers, which uh, there was 30 assists total. And, uh, you know, when your two best players are nine assists and seven assists, that's a, a really good sign. Harrison Barnes started out this game in attack mode on Bogdanovich because Bogdanovich is not a good defender at all. He is actually pretty bad. You know, he's, he's older, not very mobile. He's, you know, really good offensively, but not good defensively. And then Harrison Barnes closed this game. He is the one that closed this game and was just attacking, hitting threes. Um, and, you know, because the Kings had a, a small, smallish lead, but he extended it, put it away late. You know, I, I was never really worried about it once we had the lead with, you know, uh, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. I didn't actually think we were ever going to give it away because it's the Pistons, but uh, he did a, a really good job of actually putting the game away. And that's what he does. He he picks his spots to be aggressive, and then when he is aggressive, he does it very well attacking and getting to the free throw line, getting to the rim. And he was even pulling up with some early shot clock threes in this game, which is very unusual for him. So you could tell he was feeling it at uh, at points of this game. Malik Monk uh, played well. I really liked when he was attacking. He had three and ones in this game. The Kings as a whole had a bunch of and ones. Uh, Sabonis had one or two, I think maybe two. Monk had three. And Watching Monk attack the rim is just so fun because you can tell he's like Ja Morant when he goes in there. When he decides to attack, he's just going to be flying at the rim. And you can just tell when he picks up that little burst of speed and he's going to try to dunk on someone. And he's probably getting fouled while he's doing it. And uh, he's also doing a really good job of attacking and creating for others. On one play, well, he didn't even attack, but he just whipped the ball with one hand cross court to a corner perfectly into the shooting pocket for Keegan Murray who nailed the corner three I mean it was an incredible incredible pass and that's just the type of skill set that Monk has he is a great passer he can definitely get you know a little overzealous at times trying to do crazy things but Every team needs that type of personality on it, that kind of flashy guy. I mean, and the six-man role is just the perfect role for him to be able to come off the bench, just give that energy off the bench with that shot creation, uh, both for himself and for others, and that just the flashiness and personality off the bench, the kind of swagger that he brings to this team. 
And then the the last guy that I'll talk about, well, I've talked about everyone except two guys, so I guess I'll, I'll touch on Del Vadova too. Didn't really do much in this game. Missed two threes. Didn't really do anything. But the other guy that I wanted to talk about was Terrence Davis, who knock, was knocking down threes, attacking the rim, uh, and I thought he was solid in this game. Had 10 points. Davion Mitchell was out in this game, which definitely hurt our defense a defensive unit on the bench, which is why I'm kind of surprised we didn't see Casey Akpala. I don't know. I, I don't know what Casey Akpala did to not be in the rotation, but Trey Lyles didn't play either. So it's kind of weird that neither of them are playing, but uh, I would like to see KZ more because he brings the defense off the bench. And that's something that we can struggle with off the bench. But uh, I guess just going with a shorter rotation on this road trip, we'll see if, uh, he gets minutes in these coming games at uh, at home. Definitely a really good road trip for the Kings. And in this one, I, I was worried early that they had kind of t- tired themselves out. Because uh, the starters played a lot of minutes in Toronto. And I was just worried they didn't have the legs under them. But uh, they were just cruising in that first half and then turned up in the second half, which was really nice to see. They now move to 16-12 and 12 on the season, 8-8. Eight and eight away from home, 8-4, and four, at home, and they go into a stretch where they play a lot at home and a lot of teams that are under 500. And so, so to be able to come away with a 3-3 three and three road trip really sets the Kings up to actually move up in the standings a lot in the coming weeks. But the standings in the West are just so packed right now. Any and every team has a shot. Most teams, you know, are just a few games out of the one seed, but also a few games out of missing even the play-in entirely. So you just have to keep keep pushing and winning every game. I mean, there's no games off in the Western Conference. But speaking of the Western Conference, the Kings do not play a Western Conference team next. They have played so many Eastern Conference teams, and that continues in their next game against the Charlotte Hornets, who I believe just got uh, Gordon Hayward back, but I see that P.J. Washington is day-to-day and Dennis Smith Jr. is out. Um, but I know LaMelo is back, which is the big one. Although, it you know, it, it's the big one, but at the same time, they've lost seven games in a row, and... They're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. They'll go to Denver, play Denver, and then they're going to come to Sacramento and play the next day. And so, I mean, the Kings are going to be heavily favored in this game against a bad Hornets team on the second night of a back-to-back on a road trip, you know, and the Kings will have two days of rest. So there's really zero excuse to not just come out and absolutely punk the Hornets. Like, this... This game should be the easiest game of the King season, but uh, I'm never that confident. <laughs> so uh, you know, we'll we'll see what uh, what really happens because uh, the last time the Kings played the, played the Hornets, if I remember correctly, was when the Kings played one of their worst first halves of the season and got absolutely destroyed, but we're somehow still in it and then made a big third quarter run to take control of the game and and win the game. 
But that Hornets team didn't have LaMelo Ball. I don't even think they had Terry Rozier at that point, who they do have back now. So they've gotten their better players back. But again, they, they're they not a good team. I think the Kings can just... If the Kings play with the pace that they should, that fast pace, they can run the Hornets off the court. Uh, who, you know, they have to go play in Denver, you know, in altitude, and then play in a back-to-back. That is rough. But yeah, uh, Sabonis and Fox just, well, Sabonis continues to play like an all-star. I mean, he's an all-star, a lock at this point, really. And if he doesn't make the all-star team, I don't even, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And then Fox has definitely regained his all-star form, uh, looking a lot healthier now. And I, I think it's actually pretty realistic that uh, if the Kings maintain where they are in the standings, or, you know, even go up in the standings from this point with, you know, easy schedule at home, going up to the all-star, all-star break, then um, it's realistic that the Kings could have two all-stars on the all-star team. You know, both Fox and Sabonis can definitely make it. All-star voting starts very soon, and usually, you know, I just maybe log in once and submit a ballot. But uh, this time I'm definitely going to be voting probably every day, definitely on the uh, on the double or triple or whatever it is where your vote counts double. It might even be triple. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm going to be voting a lot. Is it going to matter? Probably not because they're not going to start. But hopefully uh, they get picked as reserves. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Royal Report. Definitely a positive positive outlook on the King season after that road trip where they looked a bit rough, but came back and, and showed a lot of resilience. So uh, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. And I will see you guys next time to recap the game against the Charlotte Hornets. Peace.